0: First time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place.
1: That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWP, In the Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and
0: entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the Drowned God Cthulhu lulls your
1: mind with the tastiest talk in town.
0: Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the Drowned God, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. I really don't know how to come back to this, I, Like because I recorded everything, you know, like ahead of time, and then I took the hiatus for Christmas because I knew I was going to be moving, and yeah so it's been a really long time other than like the live one I did with Bridgeburner on New Year's Eve, like since I actually like sat down to do a podcast. It's nice right And I invited you specifically because I needed it to be like low pressure like if I fuck this up, no one's gonna get mad.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, exactly man. So uh follow you're me to be later. good.
0: What have you, you uh, so you're like you've taken a break from age of Hell. And you're working on some other no, shit that we L. can't... No, I'm sorry. Unleash. <laughs> <Hell>. <laughs> See, I told you it was going to That's Bridges' up. game. Uh, See, it's
1: okay. We're, we're, we'll we'll no, get them no, you're out of not the doing, right off the
0: path. No, no. You're not doing anything for it at all? For some reason, I thought you did like a level for it.
1: You don't fucking do it. No, 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 no. Okay. No, no, I don't I don't do not Doom modding at all.
0: Okay. And so I had, you're also... We had
1: possibly talked about me doing a track at some point for the for them. Oh, but, yeah, okay. an audio track, but uh, that, that's about it. You see you're, but you're basically I, I just, I, there's no way. I, I just I don't have the time and I also do not do it, so.
0: Yeah. Everything that you were working on with Hellforge is kind of like you're taking a step back right now just a breather kind of scenario, sabbatical or is that false information to you?
1: Um no, I I I think I'm just kind of in a in a a woodshed period, okay. you know? Um, cause you know, unleash hell. Um, I had a great experience with realms deep. I really did. But I also kind of, I also kind of knew how things were going to end up a little bit. I try, I, I, I fucked up and went, can I, I can, I can swear, right?
0: Uh, it's my show. <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Course. So, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of fucked up when I did the realms deep thing. I, I went literally against like everything, I knew to be good, you know, and I made this fucking long and lavish dumb trailer. And
0: I thought the trailer was good. I just hated how much not for realms deep though. Yeah.
1: I mean, it wasn't good for realms deep. Like I could have done so much better if I would have just, because the problem is, is see that with that game and, and and it's, it's sort of a weird situation that I got put in because, you know, I don't know how many people know the story of, but the game wasn't even supposed to be on steam it got there by my wife kind of calling me out when I was showing her, Hey, all I got to do is push this button thing. And she, you know, do it pussy. And I, and I just did it. And, you know, anyway, so I, but I wasn't expecting anything out of it. And then all of a sudden I start, you know, with the, the screenshots I was posting, I started getting all the, you know, dream hack and, <laughs> and then, you know, COVID hit. And then, you know, so, and then, you know, realm, and then E1M1 and then realms deep and just, it just kind of all started snowballing so sort to of speak. And, I had not put hardly any time into the art and animation yet. I, it, I had spent most of my time working on like the systems. Cause if you play the game and you have it, there's a, it's deep, man. There's a lot of like shit that all works together and it all works perfectly. There's no bugs. And you know, it took a while to get everything all worked out. So my focus was all on code and getting the game play to play well. And then I just build the content on top of it. So by the time these things started coming around and these, these opportunities I was like, man, I, I shouldn't have you know, I don't want to pass them up. And I thought I, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, Oh, I got of got, I guess I got a little cocky. I think
0: it's really and I, and difficult. I, thought I
1: could pull off this cool trailer to like make <laughs> that didn't. judgment call. I should have to, one. to,
0: to like actually make that judgment call to say like, I'm, it's not ready. Even though you have like a lot of pressure on you. Like this is a great opportunity to get all this exposure. Like if it's not ready, then you don't want to expose it yet, which is, very difficult.
1: Yeah. For most people. Yeah. And yeah. And I just, you know, like, uh, I thought I was kind of thinking that, you know, I had enough time to get, to get at least enough done to where I could pull it off. You know what I mean? Cause, yeah. cause let's be honest. I mean, when you're dealing with, you know, people showing off games, you know, even like the big companies and stuff, showing off the trailers and stuff, those things are held together by duct tape and bailing wire. Oh yeah. You dude. know what I mean?
0: <laughs> they don't even yeah, show so, any gameplay. You know, It's just like a, a cinematic cutscene or yeah, and a pre-record line. Now a pre recorded pre- thing, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, if someone playing the game in like in studio and then they pretend like the guy's like using the controller or whatever to control it, but it's really
1: just like Right, just right. Studio. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah, so you know, um so I was kind of and then And then, and because the art was really, you know, like it's not there yet. It's it's kind of sort of, it's you know, partially there. I I do things in stages, you know. So this is literally like stage one and a half art. You know, animation was like stage one. I had been focusing more on weapons and stuff at at the last, you know, several months. And um, anyway, so come after. So coming off of that, I was like, you know, I really just need to hit like the woodshed. I just need to just dive in and just start doing all the things that need to be done and everything else. And I've been working on this game for a while and I just needed a little break. So I, I've been kind of working on a, another little project. It'll be, I will, uh, this will be released, I believe in June, I should make it by June. Um, and then I'm back on Unleash Hell full time and, and, you know, going, going at her again, but I just needed a little bit, of, a little time away from it. And, yeah, you know,
0: no, I totally refresh
1: didn't. much batteries recharge my batteries
0: uh, it's weird because like kind of my personal philosophy about most things is like so i can only read one book at a time i'm not reading any other books until that one book is done right and like same thing with like tv series or whatever like i'm just kind of ocd about that but i've got my hand in like so many different video games right now that it's just I, i drew a picture earlier of like kind of like what's going on in my head when I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about like four different groups of people working on four different things. Um, or actually it's more than four now, but yeah, it's so, it's so counterintuitive to me from the way that I'm used to working. It's okay. It's an adaptive period, but like, I completely understand the need to just kind of drop what you're focused on and do something else for a while and then come back to it when you're fresh and like, it's not a grind anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I learned a ton with realms deep. I, I enjoyed the experience. Hell, I got a ton of wish lists off of it. So it was, you know, it's not like the game did bad. It's not like I did bad. It's just, I could have done so much better. And I went against everything that I knew, you know, I want I, I just, I don't know. why. I don't know why I did that, but Whatever. It is what it is. It worked out. It worked out the way it was going to work out. And ultimately the game, it will come out. And, and, and the funny thing is, is even if it would have went over perfectly, I probably still would have come off that thing feeling the same kind of just like, Oh, I need a little break, you know? No, I mean, I, I needed, I would have, I would have been taking this little break regardless.
0: A good long recharge after that, man. I mean, you saw what kind of hours. I mean, I know you were killing yourself too, but like everybody who was kind of like part of the team itself were just pulling stupid hours to try to make sure everything was perfect. I, no one asked me to. I was just like very intent on being there for all the devs, right? Because they didn't have that first line of communication yeah. if I'm not there. So I pulled like some pretty, some pretty crazy like uh, <laughs> nocturnal acro- acrobatics that that month leading up to it and then on top of that the jet yeah, and, lag when i flew over there and then flew back so when i got right. home i was done bro i stayed i didn't do shit for like a week like
1: yeah i slept i think for like fucking two days after <laughs> realms deep because i was not only was i doing the unleash hell stuff i was doing stuff for hellforge studios you know like right, the, yeah. the 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 studio bump and you know yeah, that, that, play, that i Anvil did that part
0: and, and all that
1: yeah i did all that so um you know that took some time too but i'm not you know a ton i mean i kind of just bang that together too but um it came out good i think that came out good um you know everything i did came out good it's just it wasn't the right place for it that's all like like the trailer did wasn't bad it's just that the trailer that was literally not the right place for that trailer and it, it needed better animation the animation was still just too stiff
0: but, i think at the end of the know, day so. i have
1: a good platform to go in and fill in or whatever later
0: We got a little too big for our britches this last year. Like Zach and I definitely took on way more games than we needed to. Um, Which sucks because you, you know, you want to give that exposure to every single person you can, but you can only do so much in a, in a single day's worth of a show. And yeah, but anyway, that's why I was so adamant. I'm like, I, if I'm nothing else, I'm a man of my word. Like I'm going to have these people's backs and carry them all the way through the process. If I, if I'm the one who invited them to it. So
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. No. and, And the show, I thought the show went really well. You know, it's just a shame that it's just a shame that there's just so many people that were being vocal just for no reason. Like just to start shit, you know, just to say stupid shit. It's like, it's fine to, to say something being, being critical of something you see, it's fine, but at least have some sort of valid, criticism other than just trying to be a troll, you know what I mean? It's just stupid.
0: <laughs> I don't even read that shit. So, you know <laughs> I
1: don't I just, I, you know, I don't pay attention to it either because man, it's no different than when you're cutting your teeth, you know, early on in your music career and you're playing a show and so and and you know, you're doing your shit and people are like screaming, "Play Freebird!" See, so, you know, that's so. what I loved
0: about wrestling is that you could just be the bad guy and then if people
1: hated you, it was a good thing. <laughs> it's like yeah this is easy well yeah exactly yeah. exactly so you know i mean it's you know you gotta you gotta you know you learn to take like what's what's valid and what what's valid criticism and what's not you know you gotta be able to tune out the noise you know i wasn't upset about any of the like like the comments that were made i thought some of them were actually pretty fucking funny <laughs> like the jeff bridges thing i thought was hilarious so i leaned into it and just fucking set my avatars that because honestly i do kind of look like the dude i ain't gonna deny it <laughs> are you a fan of uh Sturgill Simpson the singer
0: uh yeah no he uh I mean like late last year I guess put out a new album it's called the dude and Juanita and it's sort of like this uh sort of like a Kentucky bluegrass album it's really good I, I enjoy right. it it's like a concept album and I right. was totally convinced when I was listening to this like oh this this dude guy right he must be like like a you know, like a Buford Pusser, like from Walking Tall, kind of like legend of the South that I've never heard of. And then my buddy's right. like, "Dude, he's just—it's literally like a—the album is a metaphor for the Big Lebowski—and it ruined my." I was like, "No, you're right. Like, you're so right."
1: <laughs> that movie is so good. I love that movie, man. That character, the dude, the dude is a character. I love it. I, I love it. Oh, and, man. and you know. I am pretty laid back like the dude, you know what I mean? So I, I can't identify with just, you know, kind of rolling with the punches and shit most of the time. I mean, everybody has their upset moments and things and stuff, but so know, those, think, you know, older I get, the less I give a fuck.
0: One of those weird <laughs> things I do is like, when I know I'm going to do a podcast with someone, I will sort of, it, not like out loud, but like in my head, I'll kind of be like pre- not, pr- I wouldn't say re- rehearsing or practicing, but just like going through different ideas of what like things that we might talk about, and that you know, exercising that part of my brain before I do it. And one yeah. of the things that I thought about was that you're you're like at that point in your life where your personality is like fully formed, like you are a character. And I don't mean like in a negative way, like you are. No, no, formed. yeah, I get it. Yeah, like forever, like that's yeah. not going to
1: change. Hundred percent, yeah, exactly.
0: Whereas I'm, yeah, still the only kind thing that's going to that happen in- is
1: I'm just going to. I I might get a little more curmudgeon, you know what I mean? Like where (laughs) I speak my mind a little more and and that's about it. Cause you know, I think you just, you just, you know, the fucks, the amount of fucks you have to give about things, you know, you only have, there's a finite amount and you know, as you get old, you start running out of them. So, you know, you got to save them for special things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I can't wait till I get to that point. I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm not like worried about what people think all the time or anything like that, but just, you know, generally speaking, I'm a little more like wary of, saying the wrong thing or like, you know, accidentally sounding stupid or whatever the fuck. Whereas when you talk, man, I just feel like you're just totally confident. Maybe you're not, you're just acting like it, but you're like totally just. No, you. Well, <laughs> like,
1: I get what you're saying. And I don't, it, it, that's, it just comes with age, man. Like when <laughs> I was younger, I had the same, believe me, I felt the same kind of, you know, anxiety about shit like that. You know, always, Worried about how how I stood when I was at a party or when I was at a show or, you know, like every, you thought about every little thing. Like I can't ever be seen looking uncool, you know, like you're drinking your beer and you got to make sure somebody might take a picture. So, you know, I can't be like, you know, spilling it all over myself or, you know, (laughs) you you forget after a while you just like, you started not giving a shit. And I I just, uh... I guess life, life and what you say becomes more natural because you've had more time to reflect on things
0: what's funny is that i think my my friends who know me generally speaking when they tell me like how they see me they're like oh you always seem like you're so just like what you get is what you see i don't give a fuck what you think like i'm just me you know i'm the guy running around with this like fucking uh i have these like greek sandals i don't know if you've ever seen them but like everybody since i got home to alabama was like are those girl sandals and i'm like well even if they were fuck you but No, they're not. They're just weird, like Spartan sandals. And so like people around me are generally like, yeah, you just don't give a shit. But I kind of do like I, in my mind, I'm like still wary of that kind of stuff. Not like I'm going to change for them, but I don't want to like, for instance, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm sticking around here at my, my parents' place. You still take
1: their, their judgment into consideration. Your, your well, brain because, still thinks about their judgment, right? So,
0: so there's this old man, you know, he, like he's standing out in the front, you know, it's like a long driveway. He's standing out in the front yard with my stepdad and I had just gone out to the shed and borrowed a, a wrench to install my bidet. Um, and when I was putting my it bidet. up, I know, right? It just, it can't get any worse, you know? Um, so I put the wrench back and I, then I know, walked man. up there to tell my stepdad, like, Hey, they I put the wrench back. <laughs> and I realized as I'm walking up to this guy, like... So, you know, this is an old southern man, you know, and I'm I'm judging him just as much as he's judging me for all I know he's the coolest guy in the world. But I get about halfway down the driveway and I realize like, I'm about to walk up to this motherfucker with like these Greek sandals on. My toenails are actually pink right now because my grandma got me a pedicure for Christmas, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and and I had a, my hair like tied up in a ponytail. And I'm like, this guy is going to think like the worst case scenario, like their son's a hoodlum (laughs) or some shit, you know, he's like, he's crazy. New
1: York city.
0: (laughs) And then, uh, but every conversation is like, no, actually I just got out of the air force and I'm a veteran or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so like used to be, it's like you send your son away to the air force. That's your saving grace,
1: man. That's your saving grace that'll get you out of everything.
0: (laughs) Well, that's like, that's the thing is that I was thinking about that too. Like used to be back in the day, you send your son off and he'd come back like a fucking drunk, you know, he's like, all he does is drink whiskey and beat his wife now or some, you know, some horrible
1: stereotype of like Vietnam. And scream weird shit in the front yard with, you know, yeah. firing off his nine millimeter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And then my parents sent me away and I came back rain. and I'm like, mom, let's, let's drink some rosé and like have some brie tonight. That would be great with pepper jelly. Like <laughs> <laughs> Such a pampered lifestyle. Comparatively. Where did I send you again?
1: <laughs> I know. Tucson. <laughs> oh man. it's been you know, great
0: uh, seeing uh, the family though, for real.
1: So how so how you know, I'm I'm not trying to make it an interview about you, but I mean how are you feeling now that you're out and you know, like you're free again? Um I think I'll feel how better. W- I mean you're missing the routine.
0: I don't miss anything about like the the job I was doing at all. But I do I think I will ultimately miss the general sense of responsibility that everyone kind of generally carries. If that makes sense, like, oh yeah Yeah. the the real world's people are not held accountable for their actions in the same way that I know was trained and grew accustomed to, and so you can reasonably assume Mm -hmm. that most people are going to either do what is required of them or face the consequences. And in the real world, like people are just like, fuck you. I don't care. Goodbye. You, you can't fire me. I quit. <laughs> <Right>?
1: like, <laughs> Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah. So that's, a, that's going to be a growing curve, but I mean, overall I'm really happy that I'm just like, you know, I can just kind of relax. I have like, I'm still working, you know, 3d realms remotely, but until I actually go to Denmark, um, you know, I'm right. just chilling here with my folks. Like I'm, it's very, low key. It's very relaxed. It's, it's surreal to me. I'm not used to being bored. If that makes sense. I'm used to just like yeah. banging out all day long, right. but it's uh yeah, it's that a change well, of I was base. With it's a healthy like, change I can't, I can't
1: not do, I can't like not do nothing. So like when I, that's why I'm doing this other little project because, mm-hmm. um, you know, just cause I'm not doing only shell I mean, I'm not going to do something I need. So, right. Right. Uh, Yeah. But this this new one I'm working on is pretty. I think it's going to be. Uh, you've seen it. I showed it. I showed you some screenshots. You haven't played it yet, but uh, I, I didn't want to. It's going to be cool. It's it's I didn't nothing. Say anything. It's totally well. no, we can talk about it a little bit. I, I can, we can talk. I, I'll talk about it a little bit. I'm not going to give out the name or anything because um you know I don't want to go that far yet. But uh-huh. I will say it is uh, it's a racing game. So it's not obviously not an FPS. Uh, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a big departure from Unleashed Hell. Um but I'm a huge racing fan and um i kind of uh i kind of miss the old arcade racers you know the old f zero type shit you know remember i uh, like motor racer that was uh what was that was it called motor racer yeah it was motor racer and then there was the there was this one on Dreamcast where you'd play on wave runners and it was pretty like uh wave runners it was pretty cool too racing but I kind of like that arcade racing style you know fast and I don't know. I just haven't really seen any offerings recently like yeah. that. So I had this one that uh, I had been kind of tinkering with, off <laughs> and on, you know. And uh, I just decided, fuck it, I'm gonna go in and blast that thing out. And because it's there, you know, as far as as far as everything that needs to be done, and it's it's a lot less, you know, smaller, a, lot far, a far smaller scope than Unleash Hell. And you know, I've already. You know, I'm looking at, you know, working with the engine for like seven years now. So I'm pretty comfortable ripping shit out of it. I I feel like I can do just about anything I want in unity now. So I feel like uh,
0: there's a general kind of mood. It's not even like no one's saying it, but there's this mood amongst kind of the, the known boomer shooter community that like, Hey, we all, all want to do like other shit other than just this forever. Right. And everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> it's kind of a slow trickle, but I, I really like that, you know, when you said you're making something else, I assumed it was going to be like some other first person shooter. And you're like, no, it's this badass, like arcade res- racing game. And I'm like, that's different. We need that. We need different. Cause I'd have people yeah, like man, and- write back to me, at, like about realms deep. It's like, well, my game's not really a, you know, like a boomer shooter. Is it allowed? And I'm like, dude, there's no rule. It's just like, that's just what was popular at the time of the first one. And it's not that it's not still super popular. It's just, I don't want to be shoehorned into boomer shooters or, you know, retro FPS forever.
1: I wanted to see. Yeah. Because what happens when it moves on to the next thing and <clears throat> realms deep dies too. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I don't feel want, like in I don't want it deep to become a hair metal. Be, yeah. I feel like yeah. realms deep would be best served. Like you said, you know, expanding and just looking at indie developers as a whole. Not just one particular genre of the indie games. I mean, you know, we indie games needs kind of an E3, you know,
0: Fred put it best. I mean, it's all his vision, right? Like this, this is his baby. Cause I was asking him like, you know, what's kind of the scope of like, you know, the genres and the types of games that we want to show off this, you know, for any of this stuff. And he's, he like, very adamant, like, it's not a particular genre, it's, like, a feeling, you know? Like, you, it has to give you, like, a feeling that's, like, sort of, you know, within this ecosystem, this brand that is Realms Deep that he just made up. And, but, but I feel like that's not just retro FPS. Like, half the, you know, developers and companies that are involved don't just make those types of games. They make all kinds of things. So this year we ended up showing, like, yeah. Lovecraft Untold. I mean, there was, uh, it stares back. There were so many, I mean, call of Cthulhu. My game was like also not technically a first person shooter, but it just felt like on brand because it's part of that same family of people. I don't know, but he's I'd right. Like to see, he was totally right. You know?
1: That. Yeah. But I mean, it'd be nice to expand beyond just shooters.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: So, as a you know as a normal i mean because we'll show you know, off the
0: racing game it's gonna come just because like, right you like shooters
1: idea. what's that we'll show your racing game right um yeah i guess we could do that that'd be cool it's we could right do that because uh, well you'll have to tell me if it sucks or not i mean you know
0: oh i mean that's it's a super fast
1: and no, it's, it's pretty fun it's i think you'll like it it's pretty fun man um i uh, it reminds me a lot of of playing like uh you know, old Daytona or F zero, oh, you know, yeah. it's a focus racer, f- super fast. And uh, my, uh, I, my stepson's play it and help me test it. And, and, uh, he was over here testing it, uh, last night or the day before yesterday. And he, he was just playing and playing and playing. Cause, uh, you know, the, the speed part is addictive, you know, to keep, to, to like perfect the, the line of the track and where to hit the nitrous, and yeah, you know, because there's there's this one corner in the in the in the first map that I built. Um, that if you hit it just right, you can hit the nitrous, and it'll just like slide just past the inner wall. It drifts out just a little bit, almost hits the outer wall, and and you just it's so fast. So it's a good time. I got uh, I've got it all worked out. I've got all the environments planned out. Everything. The first level is almost. Well, the first uh, maps um, or tracks almost done. As far as like the whole scenery and everything, it's uh, looks pretty cool. The graphics look pretty good. Plays nice, fast, runs good, performant. Yeah. The screenshots you, you does? said
0: look awesome. So, I'm sure it's going to be awesome, man. Like worst case scenario, it's like really badass, and <laughs> that's the worst that anyone one can see. Well,
1: I feel. <laughs> I, and it's weird because like this, uh, I I'd kind of talked to you about this um, offline or, you know, Discord. Uh, and it's weird because just in the last you know couple of weeks, I've seen a couple of articles about, you know, racing games. Like one was done about the old Screamer. Uh, I think it was called Screamer. And how they're saying like they'd love to a, a remake, but, you know, the a remake probably, you know, wouldn't end up being as good. Dah, 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 you know blah 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 But the general gist of that article and the other article I read was that, you know, they kind of missed the old style racing games you know yeah it's just not and there's not a lot of them that are like that that have this the speed and everything you know they're more niche or you know whatever i don't know i don't know you never know what's going to do good until you release it you know what i mean
0: i agree yeah it's like you just got to kind of put it out there and see how people react to it because we want it's a kind of an untested market it's like there's just not a lot of games like that currently being distributed i don't know if that's because they're not wanted or if because people you know like you said it seems like people want that kind of thing it's just that no one's currently making it so perfect time to capitalize Yeah. You know some
1: will end that and i think people's taste and, changes pretty rapidly
0: yeah that's you know and you never know like sure. what
1: is going to just well and then i think you get the games that hit that are just there was a there's like a thing where you know, people search out the unknown so that they can be the the arbiter of the unknown and go, Oh, you haven't heard about this. Oh, you know, the one that always like the guy that turns you on to everything, you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. uh that's kind of a whole culture. So I think that permeates in games too, because um, you know, people are always looking for that that new game to go to like turn into the next big thing, you know? So like like for instance, cruelty. And then you quality.
0: get mad at it when it becomes um, big. <laughs> it's like that's not It's not they sold out. I think it's cool,
1: man, because it's just really weird for me to see what hits and what doesn't. You know what I mean? Because if you really look at like the whole thing, there are some sort of formulas to it, but a lot of it really is kind of hit and miss. I mean, that's like look at Cruelty Squad, and I'm not going to say it's a bad game because I haven't played it. A lot of people say it's really awesome. What I can say is that when I looked at it, I'm just like, wow, that is just so visually. There's so much there, and like it seems like you know when you when you traditionally look for a game you're not looking for something with you know such jarring colors and and sounds yeah. and so you know what i mean and, and it was done definitely for an aesthetic <coughs> i mean it 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 did very well Dude, but who would have thought you know Frederick. I mean? like who would have thought if you would have thrown that game out and with you know five other games that were nor you know of that genre that in and. and put that in there who would have thought that would have been the one you know frederick
0: legitimately believed that that was like not a a proper game he was like that's like this meme game he he literally said this to me he's like no ty the only reason people talk about that game is because dave oshry blew it up on twitter which because he can you know he's got like i don't know several thousand people following him so he oh, can yeah. make a move. Yeah, like I think that.
1: it was 60k last I looked or something.
0: But I was like, no. no, that's I mean that's true to some extent. Like he definitely blew it up on Twitter and shit. But like it's actually a pretty damn good game. Like people like it because it's good. And he's like, what? I'm like, yes, I'm serious, man. Like give it a second look. Um, but I mean, like your guy like him, you probably see just a. I know how many games I see, you know, in a day that I'm like, eh, yeah, pass. I mean, he must see him way more than I do. Just a role. Rolling- well, I'm just thinking,
1: like on the surface, you know what I mean. Like, think about someone like Frederick, or you know, another, you know, whatever producer, publishers, anything. The people that kind of look at games, they have to really kind of skim games more on on a surface level because they just don't have the time to get in depth. It, there's well, no mean, way they could they could, you know, cover it all.
0: When you're someone like Fred, I, I have to imagine he has this. Like a, like a quality to him where he's seen enough, he's got enough experience where he can kind of like smell a hit where other people's won't, won't see it, you know, cause that's the game, right? Like you want to, you want to catch yeah. someone that maybe other yep. people didn't notice. You want to be the second guy, like the guy that after the Beatles got turned down, you want to be the guy that signed the Beatles, right?
1: Everybody's looking for that diamond in the
0: rough. Right. You know, you know and and be- he's obviously done very well at that. So
1: yeah, but, you know, but my point, but like with, with Cruelty Squad, though, is like I think it shows that there is still a place for games that are delivering content that may not be as visually striking as people are looking at. You know, you have like yeah, the, yeah. the two, yeah, the groups of people who won't touch anything that isn't photorealistic, and then you have people who are willing to take the chance on games like Cruelty Squad and find out that that if you scratch below below the surface, you're going to find that there's a lot of depth. I mean, so dusk was like never a, know. It was like a lightning in a bottle moment, right?
0: It was like, mm-hmm. I, that's it, what kind of
1: kicked off the whole dusk is the nirvana of indie video yeah, games at this it's point. It's so weird. Who, you know, dusk essentially turned the video game industry into grunge, you know, and I, now it's all retro shooters.
0: I have a, uh, an early, early podcast that I did while, while I was at QuakeCon. It was me and Brad Carney and uh, Dusum, who's like the writer for Doom World, and also a pretty prominent like multiplayer Doom guy. And then Human Bones, and, and the four of us were in a hotel room, and Dusum did like the most eloquent job of explaining why Dusk was so perfect. Like it's it's like the the star is aligned, like timing. Exactly the right aesthetic. Yep. Exactly, you know, just the right guy promote. I mean, Ashery's a fucking wizard. Like, just everything hit exactly the way it needed to. It was, and yeah, there's there's like pre and post that game in the world of indie games to me.
1: Yeah, that's why. So that's why, I kind of like, it, yeah, I call it kind of the nirvana, like <laughs> because you know we we were the party you know you know 80s bands let's you know and then nirvana just turned everything on its head and grunge was born and then literally overnight that i feel like dusk kind of did the same thing the phrase that i remember indie games from uh
0: a vh1 classic is where i learned all my rock history from so you know hold it against me if you will but they would say like that Nirvana and Guns N' Roses kind of in tandem put the nail in the coffin of that 80s like hair band bullshit. There was like that's over now.
1: And yeah, then- I would I would I can agree with that. I can agree that Guns N' Roses was a huge <laughs> catalyst in everybody just being so fucking sick of it and and embracing n- Nirvana with open arms.
0: Yeah, man. Like they,
1: and, you know.
0: So yeah you went through that though, man. I, I was not even a twinkle mm-hmm. in my daddy's eye
1: when that happened. So yeah, it was weird, man. Cause it was like one minute we're all, you know, have a good time, you know? And, and then next it's like, you know, and it's just overnight, all of a sudden it was just, everything was about Nirvana. And I swear, I swear the, uh, the labels just came in with a fucking dragnet in through the whole Northwest and just grabbed every band that was wearing a camouflage. It was wearing a, a freaking flannel and, and you know, Bert the <laughs> and Doc Martin boots, you know, who, who had a guitar and uh, you know, you had a lot of one hit wonder bands out of that, you know, and it just, it kind of, I, you know, I, I'm kind of jaded by it because I was here in that scene and it just kind of ruined the whole scene for a while. So it, we had to change, everybody had to change and we all did and, and it got good again for a little while. And then just now, now I feel like the scene in the Northwest is pretty much done. Like,
0: it comes like in there's waves, no really man. good club. Yeah. It's like an, it's uh, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: it's, you just got to
0: be in the right place.
1: At yeah. The right well, time. like you said, with the lightning in a bottle thing with dusk, right? The you know, you, you perfect example, like that music works that same exact way. You know, you get some new band comes along lightning in a bottle and then they're the next new thing that everybody chases. So, you know, yeah, that's, you get a hundred thousand bands like the one that they chose. And then same with games, you get a whole bunch of games that emulate the one that, uh, you know, that broke the mold. And dust was, I, I it, it's interesting that you, like they, they said, you bring that up because you think about when dust came out, That was Oshree at his hungriest. I mean, imagine him literally at his hungriest at a time when everybody wanted a game like that. I mean, it was like, it was like releasing a Megalodon into a fucking kiddie pool. Oshree ate everybody up. That fucking game just crushed it. And it was awesome. I think, I think it was great for a lot of developers because it really, I think it brought a lot of heat and energy back into, to indie games.
0: That's why I say it's not timing, or sorry, it's not it's not the game, right? It's not just that Dusk is particularly good or anything. It was like everything I had to learn. No, it was perfect time, time.
1: because perfect place. There, yeah, the stars fucking this. aligned.
0: Like Rack was an attempt yep. at, you know, that kind of like retro first, but it was cel-shaded and had a different style to it. But I mean, like people had tried to do that genre still, and it just would never hit. And then, yeah, you're totally right.
1: It's like a, you know, it it's just I I think Dave and Dave and Dave Dave and David, you know, um are are just one of those duos, you know, that met up and you know, they're like the Steven Tyler and 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 Joe Perry and, you know, just the the great duos, you know. So Got to have them.
0: Steve Jobs and they, they're Steve They're going to those long as those
1: <laughs> Yeah, those two dudes stay together, they're going to create all kinds of cool shit. Because, and now, you know, now they've got the clout to literally set trends. You know, they can kind of, well, I don't know. I, I would say they probably, probably set trends. I mean, they definitely move the meter in a, in a huge way in the right direction or in, a, in whatever direction they want to push, you know.
0: I don't want to speak too so, soon, but I feel like Szymanski is going to have like one of those kind of David Bowie-esque careers where he just continues to set trends like years into the future. I hope so cuz it's ar- it's, <laughs> it's already possible. S- I mean he he was early in the uh that kind of, like the walking simulator horror genre you know he he put out um The Moon Sliver and you know like uh th- those kinds of games before they really became big and then he hit with Dusk and then he caught the Dreadex train really early like actually the first collection i believe he was in yeah and
1: Yeah, it's like David's got that luck, doesn't he? Because the stars are just keep aligning, right?
0: I don't even know if it's luck. I think it's just like he's good. He the guy's a fucking creative powerhouse. And
1: I think, I think one one thing that I I see uh, with his work is it just to me it seems like he's not afraid to do whatever he wants. Like I feel like, um, and songwriters do this a lot too because. And I, and believe me, as a songwriter, I totally get this because I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, when you're writing something or creating something, you're putting some, you're putting yourself out there and, and people wonder where it comes from, especially with songs. And it's not much different with games, you know, because a lot of games touch on subjects, you know, of all kinds of, of things um, related to the developer or whatever. So how much you're willing to put out there, how, how honest you're willing to be. Um, just it, that stuff shows through, you know, people can, people can smell fake stuff. You know, they can smell genuine <laughs> stuff and they can, they can smell fake stuff. And I think like with David, you know, he just does what he wants. He it doesn't seem like he's afraid of what people are going to say. I mean, like he made squirrel stapler, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, and so, you know, and then you gotta, and then you pair him up with a guy like Oshri, who's, who's another, just like, I don't give a fuck kind of guy, but he does it in such a way that it's just charming. So, I mean, even when he's telling you to go fuck yourself, it's charming. So it's, it's, it's hard to beat that, you know? And as long as David just stays true to himself and doesn't let, you know, success go to his head or whatever. And just, he's, he'll, I I think you're right. He'll always just keep creating stuff that is unique and interesting. And he'll have the, the backing behind (sighs) him to, to get it out in the public. So he won't get buried. Where it's like
0: the reason why I brought up Bowie is because like, he's one of those artists and I'm just, he, he would never be following the trend. He would set a new trend like every decade, you know, it, is it shared did right. the same thing. You know, there's just not a lot of people who have that kind of like longevity to their career. I mean, the vast majority of bands are like, actually you never hear of them or they're like a one hit wonder kind of thing. And then they just fade into mm-hmm. oblivion. Bowie was relevant from mm-hmm. the moment he hit the stage till the day he died and still is now. Yep. And he's still, <clears throat> still relevant.
1: Yeah. Will be relevant to anybody who listens to, to, to music created after him because their his influence will will you know it's already spread like a tendril it's already out there people are influenced by him and they don't even know it
0: and then you have like not that i have anything against madonna i love her a lot of her music anyway but you know the opposite end of that spectrum is someone who would just kind of like she would quote reinvent herself every decade but she was like ripping off indie artists that no one had ever heard of and then kind of like making that her next big thing. Apparently Robin Williams would do that with people's jokes, right? Like he would go to a comedy club, hear someone's joke, and then like take their joke and then send them a check in the mail for it. Like that kind of shit. <laughs>
1: That's Which, pretty I mean, funny. Well, at least, you know, he's, he's paying them for it. That's cool, right?
0: Shit. I mean, if Robin Williams wanted my joke, he could have it. I don't care if it ruined my career. What
1: a guy. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean you course. know, it's... It, it's so hard to, to be completely 100% original these days because, you know, I feel like almost everything's been done at some point or at least touched upon or whatever, you know? I mean, it, it's almost, uh, I feel bad for first person shooters kind of in general because yeah. we are, we have sort of had a little bit of this conversation that the night on bridges podcast or bridges, uh, party thing or whatever on New Year's Eve, where we were talking about, you know, the, the doom thing, how almost like you know every every first person shooter at this point, if it has anything, you know, like a soldier and and some demons, and it's set anywhere near a planet, it's fucking a Doom clone. You know, I'm still a little so, and it salty felt- about that conversation. <laughs> like, not gonna lie. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's it, it, Doom is Doom. You know, I I can agree with a, a lot of what you're saying, man. Because I don't feel like I mean, I'm not saying like Doom. You know. Eternal is not a Doom game. They're all Doom games. Oh, for sure. Uh, I just I just think that they've kind of strayed away from what made Doom really fucking super awesome. You know, I would I mean obviously it's super awesome. People fucking
0: love it. There's nothing wrong with it inherently. It's just that it's such a gameplay wise departure from the Doom that I have grown accustomed Mm -hmm. to that it's just like not as enjoyable for me. I'm not like like when I say like it's trash. It's it's not trash. It's a fucking incredible feat. Like those guys worked their asses off and came out with a fucking awesome game. That was a huge bigger biggest hit they've ever had. I think other than like Skyrim, which is you know you can't compete with that. Like it it kicks ass. It's just not mine. That's all, and that's not a bad thing. But what irritated me was that Bridgeburner was like. (laughs) he was so adamant like you're wrong and i'm like it's not that i'm wrong you're just not hearing me out. (laughs) just hear me like
1: yeah well bridge is so passionate about doom you know oh yeah that's his baby like so yeah that's that's his thing and and you know so and i get it there there are people who are fans and you can't really say anything you know about doom that, that could be perceived as negative. And it's not a negative. It's it's not. It really isn't. It's it's just, it's okay. People need to understand, it's okay to say that I, they don't like the gameplay of a certain Doom game.
0: I think I could you reskin, I mean? it's like, okay. Barbie's... A lot of Barbie's, people bang uh, on Doom 3. Barbie's Mystery Cruise. I could reskin it, put Doom Marine in it, and say the, the cruise ship is a spaceship going to Phobos, and leave the gameplay as is and doom fans would play it because it says doom on it.
1: That's Right. That's so what like, me. I It's not there, yet. As We're far not there as the, yet. As the gameplay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and see I agree with you when it comes to the gameplay because I, you know, I'm not so much into like the platforming and all the the stuff the other stuff. I was really for me I I loved more the just the the horror, the darkness, the 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 tense feeling, you know. But I get that you know they've got to keep amping that shit up. I mean, how is the game supposed to go twenty (laughs) five years if they're not amping shit up every time? You know what I mean?
0: They have to. I'm just curious where they're going
1: to go from here. Like, like imagine what the next Doom is going to be like.
0: It's going to be Quake. (laughs) It's going to be the next Quake game. I'm telling
1: you. (laughs) You think so? Think they're going to just go say, you know, how do we? We we just can't do it. I mean, you know, like (sighs) it's already a fucking engineering marvel. You know, like this
0: is this is all speculation. I have absolutely no idea what's going on in the background of its software. But, like, the, I feel like the the remaster with the new levels and everything. I feel like that was a market test. It was like, are people still interested in this? You know, what kind of response do we get on this at this scale? Is it worth investing in the big triple A Quake remake? I'm not saying I even want that to happen. I just I feel like. Based on you know, what we've seen so far, the logical move would be to capitalize on that franchise, especially because Quake Champions and no, nothing I, I thought it was a, in many ways a really fantastic game and a great experiment in the genre. Champions was not a financial success by any stretch of the imagination, and so they're going to want to reek up on that franchise. They don't want that franchise to lose face, so they're gonna. I think they're going to do it. That's just me speculating, though. It makes like, perfect I've got, sense they own it. Well, think like about why, it. it would why get not them off use the
1: hook it? for having to having to up one up the neck this last doom.
0: And I mean, it doesn't mean the two can't happen in tandem because the, the obvious choice would be to hand it over to Machine Games who did the Wolfenstein series, which I enjoyed mo- like I'd really enjoyed the first two of them. The the new order was probably my favorite one. And I mean they're they're totally competent and they're big Quake mappers. They did the new expansion levels for the Quake remaster. I think they're te- I really do think they're just testing the market to see if it's worth doing.
1: So I'm looking do you think forward do to it. Doom. I'm, well, I don't think the Zenim, is probably not going to let him off the hook to not make a Doom like to shift shift gears no, and say, "Hey, no, you know what? We're going to yeah. stop doing Doom for a little while and do something else."
0: They could have Machine Games <laughs> do Quake and then have ID stick to Doom. You know, keep doing the Doom thing. Yeah. Maybe take a little time to like really brew on what their third game is going to be. But and who knows, man? Like there were so many things that were introduced in Eternal that are such a departure from kind of what we're used to. Like, I don't know if they're, you know, are they going to like, let's get back to basics or are they going to kick it up another fucking, you know, let's take it to 11. I don't know. Who knows?
1: Yeah. but it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll, they'll do with them. They'll do the Metallica thing and go back to their roots for a little while. Cause Metallica a few years ago, they did a, you know, kind of a go back to their roots style type of record. You mean death magnetic? You know, they were getting pretty. Um, Yeah.
0: Man, so, that was like a long time ago. I was like in high school when that came out.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that was that was well, yeah, but that was coming off of, you know, like Saint Anger and shit like that. I mean that Yeah, yeah. You know, they had, or they were Saint just, Anger and then Death Magnetic know, was like, a huge, huge step in the right direction. Like what the fuck are you guys doing?
0: Turn the snare drum on more. Snare drum up more. Well, like right after that, man, they did uh Lulu. Did you listen to Lulu?
1: Um, I have not really I don't really listen to much new Metallica.
0: I, it's just um, a weird th- offshoot yeah. thing. Like they they only did it because they wanted to. But it's them and Lou Reed, and it's like, so it's Metallica as the backing band to Lou Reed, and it's this uh, hmm. old play. I, mean, that I heard I'm-
1: about it, but I just never really
0: it's just a weird project. It's really good. I mean, I actually enjoyed a lot of the music on it, man. And I'll lovely read. I mean, I can't take away. It is. Still, I think it's the last recording he ever did. It was either that or plastic beach with the, uh, the gorillas. And then
1: that was it. You know what I find myself doing these days with music is listening to almost like a small, smaller selection of music. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I just, there's so much good music out there that is, you know, from, you know, my era. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I just, uh, I guess I'm not really interested in learning. Like there was a certain point where I just kind of shut off on new music as far as how much information I retain or how often I listen to it or anything. And I don't really search out new music much anymore.
0: I like um, to do this. I do a little bit here and there. I don't like necessarily, I, I'm, I'm just, not the guy who's actively searching uh, out new music, but I have friends who kind of, you know, keep me up to date. Like, Hey, you should check out, this new person like i if it's someone i trust and they recommend something i'm like okay i'll give it a spin you know and oftentimes they're right
1: yeah i have same with that same with me for that. but i don't i'm again i'm not i'm the same i'm not out actively looking for music these days man i'm you know it's like um maybe if you know if i was actively playing or something all the time then you know i'd be maybe i'd i don't know you know probably maybe even not then because i'd still be just doing my own thing anyways i was always more of a an original player and not a like a cover tune player yeah so I, that. I didn't really yeah so it's like most of the time when i was listening to music i was listening to a lot of just like stuff that wasn't available to a lot of other people you know like like local indie music or um you know studio session stuff or my own material working on it i mean i don't know it's just uh it's kind of like when you're, it, fuck, it's very much like when you're being a, when you're a game developer, man. I mean, everybody's like, oh, have you heard of this new cool game? And you're like, ah, no, man, I know, but you're a game developer. You should know about all the games. No, man, I'm literally in a fucking closet working on a game. Like, you know, I peek my head out once in a while to smell the fresh air. You know, I, I'm not like spending my whole day on, you know, out looking for all the new shit. So it's kind of like you live in a bubble. I think you get to a certain point where you're living in a bubble, you're just dealing with the music that you deal with because that's all the time you have.
0: I don't know if this is really true or if it's just like an urban legend, but the story was that Johnny Ramon, when they would go into the studio, would just like not listen to music because he was like, I don't want us to sound like any other band at all. I want us to sound totally. Tons
1: of bands do that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, I can't think of
1: rewriting your, you you start getting influenced by other shit. And all of a sudden now you're fucking, you're not writing your band stuff. You know what I mean? You're, 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 it's one thing to be influenced as you're, you know, when you're listening to music and everything else, but if you're sitting down and writing a song and then you're like, Oh, I'm going to listen to, you know, Stairway to Heaven over and over again while I write this song, your song's probably going to come out sounding a little bit like Stairway to Heaven.
0: (laughs) Kind of like the original Stairway to Heaven
1: yeah right <laughs> yeah. um it's fucking led zeppelin god <laughs> uh anyways but uh yeah so i I, no, I don't think very many bands honestly listen to anything other than what they're working on when they're in the studio at least i don't know of any bands that that do or did
0: i mean i can't think of another band prior to the ramones that sounded anything like that and then there are obviously your copycat bands that are like trying to sound like the ramones but that's neither here nor there but yeah they they were totally to me unique i mean there were other bands that were similar but they all had their own kind of like they were like mc5 was already around and then iggy pop and the stooges but, but what other, like the sex pistols were in England and I don't think really anyone in America knew about them yet. So it was kind of like a solo evolution in, in that New York area for them to sound, to be the only band. that sounded Yeah, but like I kind
1: it. of feel like true, true punk, true, true, true punk. And, and, I'm, and probably I'm going to piss a lot of people off saying this. I feel like came more from, from England. Like we had it here in a forum. But that really fucking nasty, just frenetic punk, you know, like the Sex Pistols brought in, those guys influenced a lot of people.
0: I think the and Sex Pistols you know, were kind of a like Ramones, a contrived New York thing, right?
1: Kind of attitude. Yeah, like,
0: but that was kind of... They were kind of a put well, together I mean, to well, be that way kind of band. Not to say they were bad. I mm, love the Sex Pistols. but
1: the clash. Not,
0: that, well, I, sort, I'd, I'd
1: put the clash up with anybody. Oh, well, yeah. And I, I, I was going to mention those guys, but, but I don't know what sex Pistols were necessarily contrived. I mean, Johnny rotten is, he's, he's, I don't think he and said, how the fuck would you get said vicious to go along with anything like that? I mean, the guy was fucking out of his mind. I mean, yeah, but both of them were out of their fucking minds. <laughs> Yeah, and that, uh, yeah, but what's you know, another band, appeal... right?
0: Sid had another really big band. I
1: don't know, man. It's hard to say. I, I think, I think that originally it was Johnny Rotten was mainly kind of pushing towards a little bit of the ludicrous, but I think you had to, to get, uh, to be at the front, the forefront. I mean, you know, you're thinking about it at a time when you're literally trying to be the best of of all the others to kind of create and build what will, what would forever to be known as, you know, true punk. So I don't know, you know, it's like how much of it is, how much of it is being ridiculous and how much of it is actual true insanity? Ah. I mean, I guess we'll never know how much of an act we put on. Like
0: that is like a time frame when, I mean, even now we really don't have access to that information. We think we do, but.
1: Well, and yeah, nobody would ever admit it anyways.
0: Right. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe, well.
1: maybe they would on later on, but I just, but nobody's going to admit it, you know, and not go uh, and make it sound like they're, that they're kidding. You know, I don't think anybody's ever would truly admit that. Oh yeah. It was just all bullshit. You know, I don't know. I,
0: I find it really funny Who's how knows, like, I
1: mean, like Pete
0: Townsend was like very openly he like he hated punk rock music, but it was like I mean you could take any of those like early 70s and eighties punk bands and then play them in the same playlist as like the first couple of the Who albums and never know the difference. Like it's so so the same thing. Like my generation is like just a absolutely a punk song. There's no question about it to me.
1: Yeah. It's just a little less, uh, nasty, I guess. Uh, <laughs> dirty. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine, I imagine punk is just like covered in grease and grime and just, you know, your guitars like fucking got wood chips out of it. And you're <laughs> just like your amp has fucking beer stains on it. And your Tolex is half torn off and, you know what I mean like that's it, it, it smells like you can smell a picture of any punk band a true punk band if you should be able to like look at in my opinion if you look at a band a, a true punk band you you can smell it in the picture and i just feel like the who was kind of like that but cleaned up imagine if yeah. you wiped away all the grime and made it more presentable and more marketable but the roots are still fucking punk
0: at least the early it-
1: who i agree 100% with that
0: so you're like, if you had to pick a band from that era that like encompasses it, you would say like Sex Pistols.
1: As far as what encompasses what exactly?
0: I mean, like the spirit like, of what punk rock was. I guess. I mean, this is a dumb conversation, but it's fun anyway to explore. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> um, yeah, I would say for me, man. I mean, literally, if you want to go like to the to the first real, I don't know. I mean, I can't. Again, this is a this is a fucking topic that people will will can go either way on you know what i mean but for me i feel like the sex pistols was definitely one of the the earliest bands to as punk bands that really kind of like set the tone for for punk everywhere i feel like they influenced a lot of fucking bands
0: yeah i'm a i love the misfits as well i think i mean they were a little later i mean like kind of on into the 70s Yeah, and the germs of- oh dude dude yes uh what's his name darby crash cat
1: smear man God, Pat Smear. So, then, yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah, we don't get shit like that again. At least w- at least the next form we get. We'll, we'll we'll never get that again. You know, it's like trying to it's like everybody trying to do these remakes of going back to to revisit the nostalgia of. Yeah. You'll never revisit the, n- the true nostalgia. It just won't happen. We're never going to get like a, a, another situation where you're like, this is punk rock whoa and your mind gets blown because you've just never heard anything like it before in your life i i feel like that time is over
0: yeah i mean i don't know i've it's been a long time since i've heard something that wasn't very clearly like a a, an homage or derivative of something else that just caught me like the same way that rock and roll did or like the first time that i really heard hip-hop which is not like to say i mean i heard hip-hop my whole life but i mean like really understood Oh, this is something special. Like this is different.
1: Um, And that's by design. Like um, we have this uh, local newspaper and uh, Duff McKagan, every once in a while, I don't know if he still does it, but back in the day, he used to, he used to write uh, like a monthly little column. And one of his columns was about terrestrial radio. And he said, it doesn't operate the, the way you think it would operate. He says, let me break it down. He said, basically, they, uh, they'll put a song out there in front of the test group. And they'll, there's three, three answers to the question. And basically, they ask you, when you listen to the song, does it make you want to A, turn the radio station or change the radio station? B, leave it alone. Don't just don't touch the radio. Or C, turn it up guess which one they wanted guess which one the rate that the focus group was looking to get the radio stations and the record and guess which one they all wanted to see the most of when, when they don't run the songs studio the these test groups. Yeah. Yeah. Don't fucking touch it. They didn't even want you turning it up because they were, they were too afraid that while you were going to turn it up, you might hit the wrong button, change stations, land on a song you liked and stay there.
0: That's wild.
1: Yeah. Now, Yeah. Now what does that tell you about the music industry kind of as a whole? They're not looking to, again, you know, it's almost like they're in the same kind of thing with, you know, movies and games these days where, you know, you get sucked into the IPs and you just, or you're going to remake stuff that already was successful because nobody's willing to take any risks anymore to make anything new. You know, budgets are expensive costs, you know, $50 million to find out nobody likes it, you know? So We've become very stale, very predictable. You know, you can almost, as long as the music stays within a certain parameter, like, hey, cool, we can have a hundred bands just like this one band. And as long as people aren't changing the radio station, they're like, man, whatever, (laughs) then we're good. It's like, wow. So that's why you're not hearing any like really cool new shit anymore is because they don't want you to hear something that you're like, wow, that's awesome. and, And turn the radio up. They want mediocre music.
0: Yeah, we're not quite there with games yet, I don't think. I don't think that the market necessarily has the stranglehold on music that are on games that terrestrial radio up until very recently had on music.
1: No, because I don't really know right anybody. But they're heading in the same direction, for sure.
0: I mean, yeah, eventually we're going to get to the point where like, you know, it may not be Steam, but whatever you what vessel you use to you know suggest games to you is i mean it already kind of works that way it's like youtube where it's just suggest safe shit that you already seem to like or that you at least click on like even if you don't like it it could be outrage content that's just there to piss you off because they know you'll click on it it's uh yeah i don't know well i I just plan to not be part of that (laughs)
1: Well, I'm just thinking, like, as far as... Think about the amount of, of like, just new interesting IPs that are coming out. You know what I mean? Um, and how many, you know, the next, like, whatever, such and such two, such and such three, such and such four. You know what I mean? 21, 21, 2022. You know, these continued series games that just get made every single fucking year, or every couple of years. It's just almost like the, like... I, I'm not trying to call out Call of Duty or anything, but... You know, Call of Duty has been Call of Duty forever. And it's just different situations, slightly better graphics, better eyelash technology, some new gu- a couple reskinned guns and whatever. It's still Call of Duty. The, the amount those- of new games, like interesting IPs that are coming out of the A's, is reducing because the budgets are so expensive. You know, I mean, you're looking at what, $50 million and $100 million they're spending on some of these budgets of these games. Now imagine... You're putting that, you're trying to tell a shareholder, okay, hey, we can either put out Call of Duty 97, which, you know, made $4 billion last year, and it'll probably make another, it'll probably make $4 billion this year, or we can, you know, take the money we had slated for that and try out this brand new idea, but you've never sold that game before. So we don't know how it would sell, right? No, it's a new idea, something fresh for the players. Yeah, but you have no data stating that you would make what you made on the call of duty game right well that makes no sense to us to so just make another call of duty like that's the decisions because most of the fucking big companies now are controlled by shareholders so we have that which is good for the indies because now it leaves all it well I, I guess it's good and sort of bad but it puts all the pressure on the indies now to, to create the new interesting cool games that will eventually be copied by the triple a's if it gets big enough that's battle Roy- that's how the fucking uh battle royale uh, craze started with uh arma battle royale that's where it all started an arma 3 mod
0: and then uh <laughs> it was pub g and then fortnite kind of then pub g uh, yeah copied pub g and then there was <laughs> so <laughs> yeah
1: know. but uh that was a battle royale was a freaking arma mod brendan was making that in arma so pretty con- pretty funny and then all of a sudden, every company in the world was making fucking battle royales.
0: that's yeah, a so. it's a trend. I don't think battle royale is going to stick around. It's, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's. Uh, on one hand, I want to say like it's not that interesting because I don't find it interesting. But on the other hand, like there's millions of people out there, way more than me, who completely disagree and love that shit. So, I mean, there's a possibility. I don't necessarily see it myself, but. You know, 25 years from now, you know, we're sitting here, we're talking about games like, you know, Half-Life and Dusk, or not Dusk, but Doom and Quake and, uh, Ar- well, ARMA's not that old, but you get know what I mean? Like, we're talking about these kind Arma's of classic games. Are, are people, you know, 20, 30 years from now going to talk about Call of Duty in the same way? I mean, they're definitely going to talk about it, but is it going to be revered as this, like, fantastic game, or is it just going to be revered as this, like, thing that everyone does? you know, lots of people did because it was popular and I don't know that where the line is. They, they could be one of the same.
1: Really. I don't think I've, <laughs> I like to think that people want something new, you know? I mean, that's what I feel. And uh, I said
0: that the other day when we were I all guess. in the new year's podcast too. I was like, I, they're like, what, what should be the next thing that did software does? I'm like, they should make something new. They should do like a new property. Well, like and that,
1: new- and that and that, and I feel like, so much has been uh so much focus has been put on making multiplayer games i think i think people honestly and maybe this is just me man but i, I feel like people really are missing good single player experiences like super high quality good single player experiences
0: or even just co-op or just, you know like something that's not competitive Compe- like everything's competitive lately yeah like it-
1: Well, that, and it's just like, it's so hard to battle the cheats, you know I mean? It's like, it just, it ruins a lot of the experience for a lot of people, you know? And and then, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I get, you know, competitive gaming is a thing, but just there's some people who just, I mean, I mean, I I get, and again, I, I get it because, you know, they're looking to be the next superstar fucking million dollar gamer, but it's almost like when you start, looking at a game so fucking intensely that you're just, you kind of get over just ridiculous about how you act about it. And you're not really cool. You get up getting these toxic communities and they just kind of ruin the whole game for regular people who just kind of want to play the game. So multiplayer is a tough gig. And I think the more toxic people get, the harder it's going to be to keep these things you know to where people are just not sick of them
0: another reason why multiplayer is so difficult is I mean, back back in our times and still this still exists but like companies would relinquish you know the game to people who would just set up their own servers and keep the game alive and mod you know the modding communities and all that kind of thing the vast majority of things now are like you know, the game dies when the company shuts off the last server and no one can turn one back on. Like that's really what happens. And you end up in these situations where these
1: games as a service.
0: Right. And so then you're never done with your investment. You know, it becomes this sort of like, you have to continue to work to try to keep it interesting, to keep people playing it forever. You want your, every game has to be like the game that people pick up and never play another game again. That's the way that they're competing for these things.
1: And yeah, it doesn't exactly. have to be that. I don't, I don't understand that mentality, man. <clears throat> yeah, I don't understand the mentality. It's like every every developer is is looking at making their game as if like it's almost as if they have the perspective that the players are are never going to play another game. Like they're just going to play this game only forever, intently, and never play anything else. Well, that's, not that's not just not games. the way it's, it works.
0: You know, like the internet in general, like social media. The, the whole point is to keep yeah. you your eyes on that screen. It's no different than what you you're saying. Keep your Keep
1: your, yeah. Keep your yeah.
0: pictures, keep your, your memories, all that kind of shit. You know, whatever the fuck, like it's Facebook is like, yeah, a, see, if I was to do a like an abusive game? boyfriend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I don't like, have Facebook, man. I don't do that shit. I fucked that. I barely, I, I barely, I hate doing Twitter. I actually, I'm, I, I, don't really like doing social media at all. But it's a necessary evil when you're a game developer trying to promote your game. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I feel like I'm it, not. The,
0: Twitter is doesn't yeah. bother me. Like I know a lot of people go on. It's Twitter. It's definitely and the I'm least
1: saying. of everything I've tried. Like the, I less, don't know. the least evil feeling of everything.
0: I haven't tried any of these like new ones that are kind of like offshoots of that stuff either. Like I I know there's a MeWe and there's a few others that have kind of popped up lately that I I'm not interested. Like I can't. I barely even understand. Like, In the Keep has a Facebook page and an Instagram, and it's dog shit. Like if anybody's finding us there, like just. Go, hit, click on the website link and look no further. Like that's, that's the best you're going to get out of that for now until I <laughs> you should just find your a Facebook
1: profile, like just a big banner. This is dog shit. Go here.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Like,
1: Hey, <laughs> congratulations on
0: finding us here. Uh, we're, you're not going to get anything out of this. Just move on. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, we give less fucks about this than you do. <laughs> hey, go here. This is where we care. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, it's like, uh, and yeah it's and it's just the whole fucking marketing thing just seems like it's just exhausting i mean fucking there's so much it was kind of funny because we you know that new year's eve conversation we had a bridges thing we were talking a little bit about finances and shit too and people are like oh god i'm like yeah but it you know it's a funny thing because like you know you have all the at least talks and interviews and stuff with game developers and shit but nobody ever talks about like the business side and how how just fucking mind numbingly terrible it all is and I've, that's part I've of it. That's, that's just as much part of game development as coding. I've, you know? I've tried like, to God.
0: be quite represent. I mean, I've done like sound design panels. I've done, you know, I've had two different, I think at least two different uh, social media slash marketing representatives on the show. Like I'm, I'm trying to get the full picture. The business part of it is the hardest to get anyone to talk about. And not because no one knows what they're talking about, but because they, Hey, you don't want to, you know, share your secret sauce, I guess, to some extent. And B, it's like, it sucks. It's the worst part. Administration is the worst yeah, part. It's ever. boring.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's kind of a boring topic and, you know, I, I feel like, uh, a lot of people that need to hear it, aren't going to listen, you know, because they've kind of romanticized game development, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to be this indie game. That was just going to make this game and make all this money. But they're not thinking about, Oh, well, you're thinking about the taxes. Are you thinking about, you know, this, are you thinking about that. Are you thinking about making sure you got, you know, a business? in many
0: ways, and, like you, know, you can make a living like that. You know, you could make enough money to get by like that. But the, the worst thing that could happen to you is if you get really big, really fast, because suddenly you, yeah, to like what happens if your shit
1: takes shit. off, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, like yeah, he, and the last thing you want is now the have tax to deal man comes knocking on. on your door.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like we were saying in that, you know, in that 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 thing on New Year's Eve, it's like the tax man don't care. He, he, he's going to take your stuff regardless. He's going to get his money.
0: I was always so. like that, man. I'm like the if I if I got to owe somebody money, I mean like shit, you know. Definitely not the US government. Like that's the last people I want oh, to owe money to. God no. You know, I'd rather, I think I'd rather deal with the mafia. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm just playing. Zero
1: fucks given on that end.
0: But like, no, the IRS, you know, if you. Kidding,
1: kidding. kidding.
0: Fuck, I mean, you could get a longer sentence sometimes for like not paying your taxes than you would for like some real crime. Like that you hurt someone,
1: you know, that kind of shit. Right. It's just, yeah. Yeah, So I I don't don't fuck around.
0: I don't fuck around. I'm like, pay your taxes, kids. (laughs) Don't
1: worry. Yeah, and, and and then you know nobody wants to share so you're 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 better you can it'd be better press get or easier for you to get like business information on how to run a business i think out of people than it would be to get how to market a business that's the secret sauce that nobody wants to give up of course if you ask i bet you if you ask someone like oh she just he's just gonna say just talk shit all day i uh (laughs) i i probably should not
0: tell you what i'm thinking on the air but yeah he's He's very funny. I've I have been that guy who's like, hey man, uh, you know, what do you think about this? Like, what's this? How do you do that in business or in marketing? And then then I get some like hilariously cryptic <laughs> response, and I'm like, oh okay, I see how it is. Uh, but no, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I think he's there. It's hard to tell where the madness ends and the genius begins, or if it's just one in the same. Fine line. It's a fine line. It is hundred
1: percent a fine line, man. He's just got it right, downright. You know what I mean? He's just he knows when he knows right where to fucking. It It, is an art. I mean, I bet you that guy sold the shit out of cars when (laughs) back in the day. I bet you he did. I can't imagine him not selling like I. I I can't imagine him not selling whatever the fuck you give him. Like he could sell an Eskimo ice cubes. (laughs) So. He, some people are just like that. They just got that that fucking charisma. That just the words just come. They just know right when to be snarky, when not to be snarky. You know, and like I said, you know, when you when you're kind of got that shit going on, you can tell somebody to go fuck yourself and still seem adorable doing it. I, you know, it, it's an art. Tell you what, so you know, it's like that's you know everybody knows. You know, at this point, you know, for an indie, you get hooked up with those guys, you're pretty much game's going to sell because you know they got a good thing going let's
0: let's kind of transition from here I guess to talk a little bit more about like you and like your specific game design philosophy because I've gotten the chance to kind of like watch you work now you know and see how you think and how you create things and I think you kind of in in the words of Captain Picard everyone has their own style right? you can't you have like these tangential ideas of what, what these are the rules that are, you know, everyone must follow, but everyone within those confines has their own way. Um, what did I say to you earlier? (laughs) Something like just that the way that you go about, uh, setting up your UI design, right? Like you, you're just, you're always one of those people that wants to go the extra mile. You can, you're never satisfied with just like does the job which is a little bit for me you know as uh, for coming from the other end of the development spectrum like i I'm like we have to make compromises because we have to finish on time where does that come from for you where did that perfectionist in you come from
1: uh i've always had it man i've just i, I probably for my grandma she she always kind of stuck it in my head that you know if you're going to do something do it right or don't do it at all so i guess um you know, that and being an only child, you, yeah. ha- you know, you're, you kind of rely a, a little bit more on your own creativity. So you tend to, um, I guess, be, I'm I don't want to say like more creative or anything, but you know, where you would have, say you're playing with friends or whatever, or you'd have them picking up some of the creative slack of the situation. Whereas when you're, you know, kind of playing by yourself or doing your own thing, it's all you. So, um, you know, But I think that I think it came from my grandma mostly that you just got to work hard, do good quality shit. And just if you're going to do something like so, just try and do the best you can. You know, I mean, I still do ugly crap when I'm prototyping. It's not like I'm (laughs) I'm I have to do everything perfectly every time, you know, and it because, you know, you can be in a having a perfectionist attitude is not always the best thing. It can be a it can be uh like a it's a double edged sword, I feel. Yeah. I
0: was having a conversation earlier today with Dan about just programming in general and how yeah, you know, from the outside looking in, it's sort of like your every time you step into a new project that's not your own, it's like playing Jenga. You know, you just don't want to be the guy who touched something and made everything fall apart. And yeah. You know, and then there's there's the type of person who's just going to play that very careful game and try not to be the one who topples the tower. And then there's the guy who takes it all apart and breaks out his belt sander <laughs> and make, makes the wood pieces fit like they're the damn, you know, blocks of the pyramids or something. And, you know, there's a certain personality type that would do that. And that's kind of ideal. I mean, not you don't always have time for that. Granted, sometimes you just got to do the best of what you got, but the the kind of craftsmanship that a lot of yourself included like bring to the table is uh, extremely valuable to to people like me, because then I don't have to worry about whether or not you are doing the right thing. <laughs> you are gonna, well, yeah, probably and beat just, yourself up less than I will about it.
1: Well, yeah, and it's just as a you know, as just as a gamer too. I mean, the last thing you want to do is play a game that doesn't work or play something that's broken, you know? So like you've played my game and, um, I've asked, like, it's, I, at first I kind of, you know, thought maybe it was just people weren't really interested, but just, there's no bugs. I mean, all my testers that that I've sent out bugs, I don't get anything back. I got, I I got a couple back from early on that were fixed and like, I don't get any, any, because I, I, it's just because I, you know, I take the time to go in and, and make it run good, make it run right. I'm very that's I'm adamant about that. I mean I, ha, I I don't like writing code that's that's gonna basically be prone to breaking. It's just it just seems mm. it seems just uh I can't you know what I mean? It's just it's when it's too easy to write good code. I mean you can write your like I write a lot of, you know, brute force code when I'm just putting stuff together to test things out. But if I'm keeping it, yeah, the code's gotta be written properly at that point. And I don't like having bugs. So I try and come up with every single possible situation I can think of and then put code in to keep it from breaking in those situations. And then I send it off to testers and let them try and break it. So but usually by the time you know you guys are getting it, it's pretty solid. Do you
0: tend to like test your shit out on like multiple machines before you? Send it to anyone, or is that like? Do you have like a closed group of people that you kind of like reach out to? You?
1: I have a closed group of people that I reach out to. Um, yeah. So, like for instance, you know, I and also um, the I would say my scope of testing probably is pretty small though too, you know, because I keep stuff pretty close to the vest. Yeah. Um. I so, but I also n- know that. Just how much like like, for instance, I'll use Unleash shell as an example, and you know I've been I've been developing that game for a while, and I know my way around it. So I know where to look when something breaks because I know what I'm working on. So you know you hear horror stories of developers and they'll say, "Oh, I changed something and then I broke this and and it's, and da, da 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 and and you know and they're having real big issues with it. I don't create situations like that. I don't allow myself to create situations like that. I know exactly what I'm working on, and if it breaks, I I, very, very, I I can't really. I'm I'm not trying to. I just don't. I usually know how to fix it. You know, like I haven't really run into any issues that I haven't been able to fix or work around in my game, as you know. So, I just, I guess, I go about it like that from the very start. I'm always thinking about. You know, how the longevity and and how it's going to come out and also that it needs to be stable and and it can't be hacky, you know? So, I don't know. Do you... I don't think that... I don't know if it's any different than anybody else, you know? I just... Right, I'm no, just very they're, adamant they're, about having very clean code and performant. I want performance to... Uh, like, I've been working with Unity long enough where I know how to suck a lot of performance out of that engine. So... Like my game runs like Unleash Shell is pretty it's pretty I would say it's pretty decently intense graphically and it runs like just awesome.
0: Do you You're like self document everything?
1: Or do you just kind of like um, keep it in any way? Uh, no, no. I definitely have design documents for sure. There's just there's no way to keep everything in your head. Um, and I do have an extensive set of to dos for each project, so I keep track. And I always also use uh, Git's, but I use uh, yeah. I have a local server for my Git's. So every game has its own Git repository on my local server. Every game has its own game design document. Every game has its own set of to dos. Um, so yeah, I I definitely there's no way I could keep keep track of everything in my head. So, but I also make a lot of good comments on my code too. I think that's important is making good comments in your code that way, you know, cause there are some parts of like, you know, a game, if you're working on it for a while, uh, where you won't touch code for six, six months, eight months. And, you know, last thing you want to do is come back and go, well, okay, what was I doing here again?
0: You yeah. Know? Yeah. No, it's like, that's always the scariest thing is if like a programmer leaves a project and then someone else has to like figure out what they were doing. And that can be a huge delay and also cause a lot of issues if, you know, if there were any and definitely, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a huge pro to kind of working by yourself is the, you, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you got it under control, but I can't always
1: work yeah, that and way. I think. Another trick, and I I do this, I mean, I'm I'm sure that other people do this very same thing, but I also kind of have like a naming convention that Uh I use for stuff. So if you look at my projects, you'll see a consistency in the way things are named and the way the code's obviously structured because, I mean, I have my programming style. But it just makes it nice so that when I jump from project to project, it's all familiar Like, it's not like, I I don't feel like, oh, this project's code is completely different than this project's code. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's, it's very easy to, to look stuff up because I have naming conventions that allow me to, you know, not have to memorize every single, you know, variable name. And it also allows me to have readable names for variables and other things, you know? So it's not like A, B, you know, var A equals, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I name my stuff so that it makes sense. And, you know, that way, when you're looking at the code, you can, it's easy to, to keep track of. Cause that's nothing more annoying than, yeah, I get it. It's short form. It's quick, but man, when you're trying to try a bunch of A, B, C, D, you know, you, you, all these, uh, you know, especially with no comments and stuff. So comment your code really well. Use good naming conventions. Be consistent throughout your whole project with your naming conventions. And man, life is so much easier.
0: I'm definitely a big fan
1: of Of, OmniSharp. I mean, OmniSharp in VS code is, is God is the greatest thing ever. I love that. uh, When,
0: when someone wants something to be in a certain format, I usually like want them to give me a template. I'm like, just tell like give make it easy on the person you're asking to like change their workflow. So it, which is difficult from what I understand in programming in general because as you said everyone does kind of have their own style but it's a, if you're working on a team in any you know industry that requires you to be a programmer amongst many everyone's kind of got to adapt it's like being a uh, an artist on a comic book or something like that you know you you can't have you know page 1 through 3 being one person's style and then the next set of frames is like something totally different you have to keep a consistency across the entire project which can be very tedious, but that's the name of the game to a certain extent.
1: Well, if you set, you know, if you set your standard at the beginning of the project, you know, I mean, basically you, you I, I don't know who, whoever is going to be the lead programmer or whatever. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, that would probably be the style that you would base your, uh, you know, base the style off. Cause you know, there's different intending styles and everything else. I'm an Altman guy. So, you know, not everybody likes that style. Um, some people like inline braces and stuff, you know, so, um, but you know, if you establish a style early on, it's not hard to adjust minor, you know, indenting and stuff like that. It's when you start getting people who have to add in, you know, like layers of separation between, or I should say layers of abstraction in code and stuff like that. You know, it's just unnecessarily protecting things that if done properly don't need protection shit like that, you know, that's when you start getting into issues, but I don't know. There's a whole, there's a, that's a whole another like topic is of, you know, expressing your own individuality through your, through your code, you know, and making it to the point where it's like some developers really, you know, like being able like writing code that others look at and go, what are you doing here? Yeah, that's right. I'm clever. Yeah. and it's just it's cool, it's clever, but it's not like readable, real readable for a situation like you say, you know, where other developers are going to be working on this stuff, you know. So there are things you learn that you'll you'll learn working on a team opposed to working by yourself. Like by yourself, you you know doesn't obviously it doesn't matter. You can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> I'm lucky where I work by myself at this point, so I can you know code my own way. Um, just like, i'm certainly a, a big but,
0: believer in the yeah. law of thermodynamics applying to everything like including you know the more people the more you know moving parts you have to any machine the more prone you are to friction and things going wrong like it's just a simple
1: 100%. scientific
0: fact to me so i mean in general you know i Math, prefer uh, yeah i mean it is
1: it's but, science man <laughs>
0: Yeah. So just the simpler you can keep things, usually the more, you know, dependable it will be. However, you know, there are some accomplishments that, you know, it requires a village to raise a child, you know, and sometimes you need the whole village to pitch in and everybody's got to work together and it's just gotta be the way it is. But
1: I don't know. Yeah. You know, when your project, the project lead is going to set or the, you know, producer, whoever, you know, is directly in charge of you is going to set your tone and then, You know, I'm sure people who know what they're doing, they've got that shit all figured out before they start. Like, we're going to code this way. We're going to... Our graphics pipeline is this. Our, you know, asset pipeline is this. And, you know, yada, yada. Otherwise, everybody just goes off and does their own thing. You're probably not going to get the best results, I'm guessing.
0: So uh, So. uh, Let's move on from, like, programming (laughs) specifically. But, like,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. game design in general, like, are there... Is, is there a set of principles that you yourself kind of like remind yourself of or hold to when you're making something or is it, if the answer is just, it's just gotta be fun. Like don't even bother.
1: <laughs> um, no, I mean, well, obviously, I mean, that's the, that's just like the cop-out answer. It's gotta be fun. Of course it's gotta be fun. No, there's yeah. way more to it than that. There, you have to, to, these days you need interesting mechanics that, that work well together, but you can't, I don't feel like you can be super over like overwhelming with them. You got to keep them relatively simple as well. And I think that's what like presents the unique challenge these days is trying to come up with cool, interesting, robust mechanics that are very simple to use and understand and implement. Um, you know, cause it's, th- it's, think about it. It's easy to give like somebody a hundred different functions and a hundred different buttons, you know, AKA Arma. You know, where you'd use just about every fucking key on the keyboard, and and it's almost a nightmare just trying to learn how to fucking use them all, right? Um, Or you can have a, a, a really finite game experience where you're only using a couple of keys, but there's a lot of things you can do with those particular couple of keys. That's, I try and. I try, I'm trying to you know come up with stuff when I when I do my game design is I try and come up with stuff like that to where it's just it has a lot of purpose a lot of depth but overall the ability to learn it and use it is pretty simple and straightforward but it's got to be fun just kidding it does have to be fun though I Did that answer your question or was that a terrible answer I have no idea.
0: No, I think it was a very thoughtful answer. It's just there's, yeah, there's so many different philosophies and ways of approaching things. And it's also a matter of position, right? Like, so if you were the game designer, which is why I'm asking you about that specifically, like, where does your mind come from? Because, you know, on my end of the spectrum, I don't really, I try my best other than if like it feels like something that is a legitimate improvement or that it's being asked for of me. I don't see it as my, right even to impose what I think ought to be on someone else's creative vision, unless it's like a, unless I feel very strongly about it. Right. Like I got to know that I'm saying the right thing in my soul or else I don't want to mislead someone. So I kind of see it as like a, I mean, it's almost like being a, like a, a butler or something like my role in this, you know, at this job, it, the way I see it is like to serve. Like I'm here to help the director realize their creative vision within the scope of reality. And that's kind of the philosophy that I operate on. Whereas it, I think it's a bit different if you are the the director or the designer themselves, because it's, it, it's sort of like a, the architect before he talks to the engineer. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I think it depends on for me, which hat you're wearing. <laughs> Cause as an indie developer, obviously you got to wear a bunch of hats, but you know how, and know this is going to sound maybe dumb, but, or may not even make any sense, but there's certain weight to each hat you wear and certain thought processes you have to like follow while you're wearing a hat, a certain hat. Like if you're wearing your programmer hat, you have to think about programming principles and, and, you know, like for instance, like I was saying, you know, you should have all your shit laid out before you start a game, how you're going to program it, and yada, yada. It's if team based, but you, you know, these are good practices as well for you know, personal or solo developers. But the point is, is each hat, like if you're, if you're in promotion mode, you have to wear the promotion hat and you got to be the promotion guy, which you're acting like the promotion guy. If you're being the programmer that day, you got to wear the programmer hat. So if you're unable, I, and I see this in some developers is, is they kind of just, there's no difference between their character in each one of these positions. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess it all depends on the situation, but I don't, I, in the situations I see, it seems to be more of a hindrance than it is a positive thing. So for those who can actually put themselves and really wear the hat and that personality and put aside the other stuff. So like, you said you think about it as a as a director, whereas you're not thinking about it as say a graphics artist. So do you, you kind of have think, to do that as an India dev too? Do you find that you're too.
0: Your different? use with different hats on, argue with each other. You kind of
1: have to be. That's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Is like you almost have yeah. to. You know, almost, almost like, you know, you have to separate yourself into all the positions of the, of the, the company or whatever, you know, your game, you know, you, you have your clone body that sits over there and just doing the, the graphics. You have your clone yeah. that's over there doing the and everything you're doing. Right. And you have to be able to be like honest with the person doing that job, whether they're doing good or not. And it is you obviously. So it sounds, that's why I said it's going to sound really weird, but if you can't objectively criticize yourself, how are you going to like make any progress? You know what I mean? Like you're just going to get to a certain point and that's it. So. Some really great advice
0: that was kind of given to me. Go ahead. You finish your point first.
1: No, I was just going to say that. So that's, you know, for me, I, I tend to take the role of trying to separate myself and really look at it. Like I'm looking at my graphics from the perspective of the programmer. I'm looking at my programming from the perspective, you know, so everything, because I had never know it you never know at what point like maybe someone else comes into this position to this you know and in, to work on this and and i need to be able to respect and understand from that position in whatever hat i wear yeah so
0: what i was uh sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but what i was going to say was that like no
1: that
0: i think it was jahar who told me this but like essentially there comes a point when you do really need separate people to kind of create a checks and balances within an organization, right? So if you're, your treasurer, your president and your judicial what person or whatever the fuck are all the same person, whatever that particular person's strongest personality traits and weaknesses are going to manifest in those three positions. Whereas if you have three different people or, you know, three different branches per se, that counterbalance each other and serve as that check and balance that it it prevents any one of those things from like overshadowing the other or letting something get left behind. Like for the worst, the last thing you want as a business person is to be like, you know, you have that super, super headstrong, push forward, get bigger, move faster guy who doesn't understand finances or something like that. And then everything crumbles underneath them. You, you know, ideally that person either acquires that skill or finds someone who, can pick up the slack um that that was a bit rambly but i think i made my point
1: <laughs> no absolutely you're, no you're absolutely yeah. right because and you know that's well that's why ultimately you know it's so hard being a solo developer you know and trying to develop anything of of stature of, of substance simply because you know anybody who's developed a game knows how fucking much work it is you know and when you're trying to develop, you know, a, a large scope game as a solo developer, it's it is a daunting fucking task. So everybody's goal is to do that, is to be able to get in there and get qualified people in each one of the positions. Because if you if not, you you are ultimately going to be in a position where one strength or one thing you enjoy is the thing you put the most effort into. And I'm guilty of that as well. For instance, I prefer, honestly, to, to program. Um, that's that's probably my favorite thing to do. I mean, I, I doesn't mean I can't do art and I can't do other stuff, but I really my favorite kind of, my favorite thing is programming. And, and to be honest, it shows in Unleash Hell at this point because the most polished part of that game is the programming. Right, everything else is lacking because I've put because my you know because I like programming so more than anything else, I tend to gravitate more towards developing the systems and and focusing less on art and animation. That's why, you know, at this point I'm just pretty much ready to bake make a bunch of damn content for it. I mean, most of the programming's done. So, it, it's it it 100% is and and that's one downfall, a major downfall of being a solo developer is that you are gonna inevitably push one area further than the rest.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's very difficult to point to anything, even with groups of people, that like where everything, all the stars line up. It's it's so rare. I mean, you get oh yeah, maybe a a handful of works of art that were collaborative where that it all works out, and I'm not I'm not really sure what the the, there's got to be some sort of like you know a golden ratio that is lost upon us. I'm sure Da Vinci had it figured out and lost it in a notebook at some point, but Da Vinci's game design manual. chemistry. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it, a lot
1: of it's just, you know, is is definitely chemistry, you know? I mean, and 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 the distribution of personalities. I think that's probably the hardest part right there to me in my opinion is the distribution of personalities because you can't have you know, too many headstrong individuals <laughs> on a team or you're probably going to have problems with people butting heads, especially if it's in say the same area um, or two (laughs) departments that are competing for time or space or, or whatever. So, and, and man, I mean, just imagine, you know, constantly butting heads about everything, you know, how much productivity you lose. So Yeah, lot. that's why bands fail all the time and shit sure we see this in bands all the time you know you get bands together that literally hate each other they're just there for the money
0: a, a very and, uh, piss poor army with a strong morale can do a lot more than a you know huge army with no morale it's a very yeah <laughs> absolutely morale is everything it's so huge and people really forget about that but you know it in it, 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 on a team of any kind game development whatever it is when morale goes, everything goes. You got, you just yep. hit a, a brick wall. And it's very difficult. Yep. Once it's gone, it's very difficult to bring it back.
1: Yeah, because animosity sets in really quick, man. And it, animosity is like a fart in a room that just does not go away. The only way to get rid of it is just to walk out of the room. So once people walk out of that room, getting them back in that room is really hard. Because, man, all they can remember is the smell of that fart. <laughs>
0: That's a really good place to be. It is.
1: Oh my God. So remember kids, (laughs) be reasonable, do good work, and you won't be left in a room that smells like a giant fart. All
0: right. Uh, Words of wisdom from (laughs) Fawney. Can we get that on a fortune cookie?
1: We need that on a T-shirt. Are their yes. bosses still do that? Do they listen to podcasts and make everything on a T-shirt still? I have no
0: idea, but we could totally make a like. T- t- don't. <laughs> we need to
1: make a T-shirt. This is. Don't be left in the room that smells like a giant fart. <laughs> like, be good to, to be good to others.
0: You can you can put that we on your Redbubble you. page,
1: or be excellent to each other. Yes. Be excellent to each other,
0: and uh, we are all just dust in the wind.
1: At some point, we all will
0: be. 100%. Oh, shit. Welcome back, people. New year, new you, all that stuff. Hope you enjoyed the time away. Let me know what y'all thought of some of those reruns. I, I think I might do that on Christmas next year because, man, it was nice to have some time off. But getting back into it was really... Uh, felt good. Felt really good. Lots of uh, adventure to go on right now. Life is changing. I hope your life is uh, going as awesome as mine is. But, hey, first of all, thank you to Foamy for being part of the show again. Uh, I always love just kind of getting into his head. He's such an admirable and, and well-spoken individual. And uh, Age of Hell gonna come out one of these days make sure you're following up on that check out everything in no light games and then the music you're listening to right now is by the very admirable and totally awesome john of the shred i cannot tell you enough how much i love Happy humble burger farm you gotta go check it out i'm so serious i played it over the holidays i even did a little cameo in there maybe um grab it dude d- stop what you're doing right now pause this go play the game and then you know, <laughs> come back and let me know what you think of it and uh, give give some love to everybody over at Dev team some really cool stuff coming up we'll make an announcement about this eventually but there's going to be a collaboration between e1m1 and in the keep soon so keep your eyes on their stuff kickstarter and all that kind of shit um but until next time enjoy the music and stay in the keep